Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the Anything But Typical Podcast. Man, I can't wait. Like, every time we do this, I think, I don't know that it's going to get any better than this one, <laughs> but each one is so unique. You know, there's really not better. It's, everybody's unique, mm-hmm. which is why we call it the Anything But Typical Podcast. That's so, right. we have Ty Harmon on today with Harmon Construction. And I can't wait to hear more of your story. So I already know some of it, but I always find out new stuff, even from people that I've known for a long time. So that's the whole purpose of this, to hopefully inspire somebody else, because your story's unique and so is everyone else's. So here's the scenario, Ty. Mm -hmm. You and your family are doing what you love to do on a simple Saturday morning. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful fall morning. In Charlotte, North Carolina, <laughs> the trees are starting to yep. turn. We got Carolina blue skies just calling your name. That's right. You and your family are out walking to your favorite picnic spot at Freedom Park. That's right. And somebody sees you and they say, hey, I recognize that guy, <laughs> Ty Harmon. That's right. They start talking about you, but not realizing that you can overhear and understand everything that they're mm-hmm. saying about you. What would you want somebody to say about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, most important, I would say, is just uh, a humble guy that is truly genuine about serving the community and uh, just loves his family and uh, um, is just sincere in what he does. Mm-hmm. Just pretty simple as that. Well, it's easy to say because that's kind of the way you live, man. So <laughs> Try that's to. my experience with you, too. Try to, for sure. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So for those of you that haven't had the pleasure, Ty is the founder and president at Harmon Construction. Ty, this is going to be a little different cadence than some of the other episodes. Yep. It won't be chronological. Yeah. So I, we're going to go forward and backwards Got and forward. It. Okay. Sounds um, good. But I swear there's a method to the madness. <laughs> um, I'll trust first, you driving. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> 30 minutes in, you may bail. But for now, I got the trust. <laughs> got That's it. Great. Got it. I want you to just share with the listeners yep. of, of what Harmon Construction is and does. Mm-hmm. And then we'll take it from there. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, um, you know, Harmon Construction, I, I really founded um, the, um, the company, and I had some great experiences um, over the last 15 years, and then our firm is now five years old. We were kind of celebrating our five years and kind of hyping that up, which mm-hmm. was super cool. And um, I really got, I got a great opportunity, and we, you know, we may dive deep into a lot of kind of parts and pieces, but got a great opportunity to work with some amazing firms in the Charlotte area. And because of that, I've really been able to take like what worked and what didn't work yeah. and really mm-hmm. try to now mold that into a firm. So, you know, we really pride ourselves in um, really helping clients, especially clients that maybe this is their first time um, building or first time getting a new outfit. And they really need somebody to kind of walk them through the process and not be super fast and really take their time. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had... Um, we, we really love that uh, design build model. So we really are saying, hey, we're the one point, you know, one stop shop. Let us help walk you through this process. And that's like 70% of our work is kind of that design build, really walk you through the process, really help do the heavy lifting for you, let you guys do what you do best. And um, we, we do that work in everything from um, multifamily housing um, to commercial. It could be an upfit. It could be a, uh, a new construction ground up build. And then also in a lot of K-12 work as well. So, and we work with a lot of charter schools, which, you know, they don't have big staffs like Charlotte Mecklenburg right. and a lot of infrastructure. So a lot of times they're administrators and they know education, but they don't know construction. So that design build and that really like, hey, help us through the process, you know, help us in what's important to us, which for them, it's always like 
cost and then time. And then a lot of times, you know, they might have got somebody, you know, gave them a piece of land or or they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, help us help us through this because it's just so complex and so much to it. So we really that's that's really like our bread and butter. Where we really like just manage it for the client, help them through the process, make things clear, very transparent. And we love that we thrive off of that. And like I said, that's probably 70 percent of our business. So you were you were a VP at a construction firm prior. That's right. And then eventually decided to go found Harmon. Mm-hmm. So that's right. What was the catalyst that led to that of you actually saying, okay, now's the time for me to go start my own thing? That's right. That's right. So yeah, so I worked eleven years at R.J. Leeper Construction under um, the the mentoring of Ron Leeper. Um, he, I mean, he was like a father figure to me, and he, of course, he still is, and just. Um, just an amazing, amazing man, amazing mentor. We also um, served in ministry together, and um, so worked 11 years there. And I have to tell you, even even go st- one step back. So I came out of residential construction. So I worked for Ryland Homes when I came out of college, and and then I was there when the market crashed in 07. And um, uh, you know, Ron gave me an opportunity to go work with his firm. So you imagine the guy working in multifamily, and all of a sudden. I'm working on one of the biggest high rises yep. <laughs> in Charlotte, which was the Duke Energy Tower at the time. Well, originally it was um, Wells, well, yeah. Wachovia, yeah, that's right, right, and then right. Wells Fargo, and then ultimately Duke. So um, that was an you know amazing experience to go from a guy like I said building multifamily and going into um, you know building now a 49 story high rise. So I had great great experience there in the Mint Museum. But to, to answer your question, um, you know. So Ron was really grooming me to kind of um, to to fill his vo- fill the void when he retired, and he was you know was getting pretty close, and we'd been working together for about four or five years, and um, you know his goal was to really he he was ready for you know he he was you know working with this and a couple other executives and but but for him he wanted it to kind of end like say hey kind of let me get a payout and then go and it. I think just as a model in business, it's hard when employees are trying to buy a firm and be able to, unless you just have a you know rich uncle, right? It's hard to be <laughs> able to just pay that that big sum of money. So he found some some other gentlemen that that could could do it the way he wanted. So um, I felt that was a good time for me. I know that was the ultimate goal, and for us, it didn't work out, and mm-hmm. and that was okay. But I really feel like it was it it worked out in the end because you know I really had a passion for building housing as part of our core market. And um, Leaper Construction was much more traditional, commercial. We did a little bit of multifamily, but the guys really didn't like it, a lot of the staff. Mm. So it actually made sense for me to go off and, mm. and, and go that route. And then um, I saw really a niche where I just I didn't see a lot of firms building in that, that, that multifamily sphere. Mm. Um, you know, you had some, some big players, but I just felt like there was a gap because I saw a lot of firms coming in from out of town and out of state even. Mm-hmm. To, to build. So I said, you know, I think there's going to be an opportunity here. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know, um, you know, minority owned business. I didn't even I didn't really know any that were building right. that mm-hmm. were here in this area. I knew some that were like in Georgia and, and like uh, up in like the D.C. area, but none in, in the Charlotte region. So I was like, I think we can, you know, fill that void. Of course, that's not what we um, base our business off of is, you know, the fact that we're minority owned. And I honestly don't really push that from that mm-hmm. side I more want to be a great business that does great work and oh by the way you yeah know, we might be minority but right, right right i really honestly don't care to push that side of it you know yeah that mm-hmm. makes sense a few things to unpack there yeah so yeah 
the the first one you had mentioned the idea of the multifamily homes things like that mm-hmm. one of your big focuses is building or o- overseeing the uh, uh, construction for multifamily mm-hmm. But also affordable housing That's right. situations. That's right. Why is impacting that area of the community so important to mm-hmm. you? Yeah, you know that really um, that can. It'd have to go back. We'd have to go back a little bit. And that's you why know, I said you guys going to be. Yeah, you can let me know how, how how where we no, want to no, go no, with that. But um, now I'm teeing you up for now's the time for us. To go <laughs> got it. Perfect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Well, um, so there's probably two big things to that. One is um, a big driver to me personally. Really is. Um, was a lot of housing instability growing mm-hmm. up, um, you know, and and my mother never owned a house her whole life, mm. never owned a house, and you know it's um, when she passed. I guess it's been about eight years now. She died living in housing projects, and um, you know I hate to say it, but she had overdosed on fentanyl. Mm. You know, we all know the fentanyl epidemic and all mm-hmm. the stuff on that. But mm. it is, uh, it, it just, whenever I go and whether we're doing an apartment, doing a rehab, new construction, we just finished building some beautiful, affordable townhomes um, in the Druid Hills neighborhood. And I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, like, man, my mama would have loved to have lived here. Yeah. You know, mm. even to the point where I was like, man, if she was still alive, I'd love to have figured out how to buy one of those townhomes for her, you know, yep. just... But yeah, it's just that's that's my really what drives me on the housing mm-hmm. is just that. So I, I look at, you know, like I said, we just finished building some affordable townhomes. See, these are the first ones that actually the city of Charlotte is supporting. And they're folks that are um, typically in like an 80 percent AMI, mm-hmm. you know, in, in Charlotte, depending on if you're single or family. I mean, that's, you know, probably between 40 to 65,000, somewhere in that range. So. And um, it's just, I, I personally will walk the homes with with the new homeowners. Mm. And I make it very personal, and um, I just love doing it. And I, I just love the excitement, especially a lot of them, it's their first time buying a home. Or, you know, one, um, one lady that just closed, she had gone through a bad divorce, and she just needed more stability for her and her children. It was just, she literally was crying when we were walking the home. Yeah. So just just that just makes me it just keeps me going and say that man this is like mm. above just building this isn't just building another home for somebody or just hey I built forty and you know just building another but everyone is very personal mm-hmm. and we know the the difference. So why why is it so important for you to keep that that personal aspect of it because you grew up with it experienced mm-hmm. it saw it firsthand. Yep. But even now today you're having enough impact some would say yep. just by building them right just by yep. doing that That's process. Right. Yeah. Why take that extra step of I want to walk through this with these people? Mm-hmm. You know, um, it. I don't know. Sometimes I think people can get really disconnected from like that housing. How how big of a deal housing is? Mm-hmm. We we one of our employees. Um, he lived in a hotel for almost two years, and one of the apartment communities we were rehabbing, we actually helped get him in, mm. and. Um, we don't realize that a, a man making $34,000 a year that has to pay child support has very little money left to right. pay for housing, trying to do the right thing. And then you add, if you've got a vehicle or whatever, you got to feed yourself, you're all of a sudden you do the math and there's not much left. So every, every, every home, every apartment we work in, it is really truly impacting people in major ways. So that whole, you know, the work the city does, the work that the developers do, like Ascent Housing, 
um, you know, those kind of folks, it is like it is affecting the difference in whether or not people are sleeping in their vehicles or people are home. And then when mm-hmm. they can take a step up now and and be able to buy a home, like it, it's major. Mm-hmm. And and you know and it's, it you know for us when you get a certain echelon you feel like man it's you know I bought two or three homes or this or that but just some people that I mean they'll one home and they might live there the rest of their life. Yep. So I'm curious, Ty. I love. The, thank you for being vulnerable and telling the story about your mom mm-hmm. um, because that's really at the end of the day, it's not the. Instagram show reels of the new buildings and all that. That's fun. Mm-hmm. That's that's cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. I want to talk with you a little more about that Duke building because that's yeah. one of my favorite buildings. For sure, <laughs> I've been up on yeah. that yeah. in that executive deck, and it's, it's, it's that's yeah. pretty special. It's high cotton for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it high is. cotton. I like that. Yeah. But I want to go back to like, all right, so your heartbeat. You know, mm-hmm. it's obviously you've got a tenderness there mm-hmm. because of. How you were raised and all that kind of stuff but you could have taken a lot of paths I mean we've had you know we've seen other people that you know had similar situations and then they grow up and it's all about the money or whatever but you know there's this tenderness toward that I see and from the first time that Michael McCready introduced us yeah thank you Michael yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. you know Talk to us a little bit about that and mm-hmm. even some of the journey. Mm-hmm. Okay, you, you went into home building. Mm-hmm. You could have taken a lot of different paths, yeah, but yeah. you know, let's go yeah. about the why in that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it back a, a little bit further. So, um, you know, so growing up, um, so I'm, I'm biracial and um, mother's white, father's black, and um, my mother and father were both 17 when they had me, so wow. very young. And honestly, I didn't even know my father until I was 12. Never didn't didn't, wow. didn't get a chance to meet him till then. And so my mother was just kind of very not very stable, yeah. uh, you know, growing up. And my grandparents um, raised me till I was about 12. And it, you know, it's funny, like, and we can we can go there if you like. But um, you know, being raised, you know, older white, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, grandparents, you know, raising <laughs> yeah. boys, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you see some things. President Obama said some pretty, you know, some fun things. I can remember, like, him taking me to go get a haircut, you know, where yeah. he gets a haircut at. You're like, uh, I don't know how to cut this black kid's hair. So, right. You know, just some, you know, funny things like that. But, you know, but but love me just the same. And he was, you know, a Southern, a southern guy and, you know, conservative. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but didn't care, you know, just loved his loved his grandson. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it even goes to a spiritual side. You know, because of my mother's age, she was going to abort me. And wow. um, that's, uh, and I remember my grandfather telling me, he said he was, they were getting ready to, they were going to go that day to go to the abortion clinic. And he said something in his spirit said, and he wasn't, they, my family didn't grow up as believers. Mm. Um, of course, I, I, I did. But um, he said something inside him said, no, we're not going to abort this child. So that's why I've been very big, big pro-life myself wow. um, from from that personal experience because of that. And, you know, despite the fact that my mother was 17, you know, in a, in a very kind of conservative um, place and all of a sudden say, hey, you're going to have this half black child. And, you know, my grandparents at the time were, you know, members of the country club and a lot of things that they could have supported. Like, yeah, we don't want to be a part of Wow, that type of, uh, you know, because we're going to look bad and this and that, which a lot of. I've, I've heard a lot of stories that that was the case, but in this case, they uh, they chose love and uh, thank God for it, you know. So it's uh, 
um, that just just going up through a lot of you know various experiences I think my um, you you see life in a in a very unique lens that's why I, I, I laugh when I hear like other people that are biracial talk a lot about being the other and mm. and you know some of that stems from back you know when you used to have to fill out documents and they would have you know like black white Hispanic Asian or other you know and yeah having yeah. a hard time figuring out like well which what one am I what am I what I figure out you know so for a long time I really struggled in identity mm. and um, you know it, it really took me getting a good grounding um, in the word as a believer the Bible really helped me a lot with that um, you know in my early 20s I really struggled with that and I was amazed how that um, that grounding helped me out and then just being around good men having a good example mm. really made a huge difference and that's where that other side really came from and I hope it was kind of a, a long ways coming around getting to the answer but um, that really made the difference in, in really kind of hitting that next gear that I that I needed um, to kind of get over just all the, the struggle yeah. growing up and the drama with my mom and the you know the struggles and on that side and um, you know being a God always put good people in my life um, mm. when I needed those areas filled that I wasn't getting filled for my family and he's always done it you know men from the church you know men in the community um, good mentors in the business industry it was just and I was always just willing to work hard and learn and listen I was kind of the old school where you didn't speak unless spoken to kind of came up in that mm. in that time and and I think kind of having that attitude helped where I observed I was willing to learn and get my hands dirty and just hustle and that that helped drive a lot of that that's helped me to get to where I am today. How did you meet Ron Leeper? Because anybody listening to this may not know, but Ron Leeper is a very successful mm -hmm. guy, but man is equally, if not more equally, in his success as a businessman. He has tremendous success as a man of integrity. Mm -hmm like humility and integrity yes. with a lot of talent mm -hmm. which is really yeah. interesting yeah. Uh, and for anybody listening to this they built the Roos Chris mm -hmm. uptown That's in right. a standalone like that was a big deal that and was. It was a very expensive piece of mm -hmm. property too yep. Yep. on Tryon yep. That's right. for uh, you know Jeff mm -hmm. Conway yep. who's also been on this podcast so mm -hmm. <laughs> I just think it's funny yeah <laughs> Charlotte is a big small town, it man. Is. I mean, it's it really is. funny. But yeah. um, how did you and Ron Leeper get connected mm -hmm. and that sort of thing? I think that's yeah. very interesting yeah. too. Yeah, we actually met at um, met at church. Yeah, we were both going to the same church at Steel that Creek? time. No, it was actually before Steel Creek. We were going at a church called Nations Ford Community Church. Oh, sure. Yeah, they're on Nations Ford Road. And, um, you know, I was real involved in mentoring, and, um, and he was a very active member there. And um, initially, when I had talked with him, like I said, as the market was crashing in 07, and you could tell, like, things were, yeah. were, were happening fast. And I was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to make it. I actually just asked him for a referral. I knew he knew lots of firms in, mm. in town, and he actually had, had, had referred some, some folks to me. And, um, you know... I had a couple options. It was either could go work for him and stay in Charlotte or go to El Paso, Texas and go build military housing. And that was the off a couple offers I had. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll stay in Charlotte. So 
good for you. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, were you born and raised in Charlotte? No, sir. No, I was, I'm originally from uh, um, out in the Pacific Northwest. Really? Yeah, yeah. Originally from a small town outside of Seattle. It's called Yakima, Washington. It's in central Washington. All of our apples. Oh, sure. Whenever you see those great apples that come out, you know, yeah. that from Washington State, that's, that's the area they come from. Okay, cool. Yep, yep. So, small agriculture town, probably the size of Salisbury. Oh, no kidding. Mm -hmm. Well, what brought you to Charlotte then? Yeah, so our family, um, original roots of South Carolina, and our family wanted to get back south, and it was a, actually an opportunity when I got to meet my father for the first time. So, so you're about 12, is yep, that about that's right, exactly when you right. came here? That's correct. Yep, 1992 was when we moved south, and I didn't live in Charlotte at the time. We, we moved to Georgia for a little bit, and that's where I met my father. They lived in Augusta. As okay. a family, they were army. Yeah. So, um, and that's how they end up in Washington State because they were stationed there at, at Fort Lewis. Okay, gotcha. Yep, yep. And then Fort Gordon and Augusta, Georgia. Augusta, Georgia. So, that's how we uh, came back. Uh, that's how we ended up coming south. And that was my grandfather. His dream. He always wanted to get back to South Carolina. They ended up moving to Myrtle Beach. Okay. And I got to meet my father, and then I ultimately ended up moving moving there with them, just because it just wasn't really a good fit for me you know at the time sure mm -hmm. so was this about 94 then when you came to charlotte or how no i actually didn't come to charlotte till i graduated college so finished high school in uh, at north myrtle beach high school okay yep. came to came to college in north i went to north carolina a&t civil, right. en civil engineering major and uh, that's where i met my wife um and um and then i got recruited to come out of school to work for ryland here in charlotte so it was either here or chicago and I just didn't want to deal with a new uh, change in just culture. Sure. So that's why I chose Charlotte. So it's been a great decision. So What year since. was that that you came? 2003. 2003, yeah, so okay. 20 years, yeah. Yep, so there's been a lot of change in Charlotte. A lot of change, yeah. It is uh, <laughs> a whole lot of change. So it's been amazing to be a part of it, especially in the construction industry. So yeah, really has. What a great story i mean i had no idea about yeah. any of that yeah um thank you for sharing that because you know i never even thought about well if you're biracial what are you like mm -hmm. other yeah like wow mm -hmm. i mean i never ever thought yeah. about that yeah 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 and to think about the pressure that your grandparents Mm -hmm. We're facing. Oh yeah. man, I mean that's kind of scandalous, you know. Mm -hmm. At the time, yep. you got a 17-year-old mm -hmm. daughter. Yep. And all I can say is, I'm glad you were born. Mm -hmm. I mean, the world is a better place that's because right. of you. That's right. And um, yeah. you know what a wonderful decision. Mm -hmm. And and it was a sacrificial decision. It was it was on the, you know, mm -hmm. part of your grandparents because you could have a lot of people like, well, you know, there's a lot of judgment. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, you know, it doesn't fit with the country club crowd. Mm -mm. Um, Not at all. There's another one that has been on our podcast, mm -hmm. uh, Tana Green, and she had a child at age 15. Mm -hmm. And uh, she kept that hidden for a long time. Gotcha. And as she rose through the ranks, but it, I, she, she is one of the best examples of somebody really shining a spotlight on the stuff that you wanted to keep hidden. Mm -hmm. And when you do that... Yeah. You get set free, and you set free a whole bunch of other people. You do. You really do. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. You guys were talking um, mm -hmm. about Ron Leeper earlier, mm -hmm. and early on in this conversation, you talked about being under him for 11 years, mm -hmm. having that mentor-type relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
mentorship has been a very common uh, conversation point uh, on this on this show. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what having that baked in mentorship meant for you as an individual, but then also as as your career flourished as well? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I mean, you you really for me, I you know honestly, I I, I wasn't even around a lot of professional men or black men as examples growing up. So like I needed that even more. Mm-hmm. So to get that, like you said, kind of baked in and yeah. seeing that every day was was a huge impact. Just just to know what to do, how to lead. I mean that that type of I mean leadership. I mean on, on life and in good examples. Um, what do you do when really stuff goes bad and having some solutions and not blow you know blow a gasket? I mean I remember working around some guys early on in the field as a superintendent. And, you know, guys catching heart attacks at 55 and just, you know, wow. going off and throwing hard hats and just kind of that, that what you typically expect in construction. And right. then to see, you know, hey, here's some other guys and showing you how to deal with some really tough conversations, you know, or a guy blows an estimate or something and you're about to lose, you know, $40,000 or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. all of a sudden, all right, so how do you need to deal with that in a, in a tactful way or whatever? Right. Or how do you kind of rebound from that? So to get that full, you know, Every aspect from business development to, you know, like I said, estimating side, project management. How do you deal with partnerships, joint ventures? I mean, I mean, I mean, it was like, you know, probably two or three probably, you know, business degrees in that kind of knowledge. Yes. that is just ultimately priceless. So if you're humble enough to not say, oh, I got to try to overstep them, but you just like I said, just be quiet and learn. Man, there's just you can get a lot from somebody that that you know that's willing to willing to show you. I want to reverse mm-hmm. that as well because yeah. one of the things you said in there was you weren't around a lot of mm-hmm. uh, business professionals, yep. but then also black business mm-hmm. professionals. Yeah. With you having owned, founded, owned, run, be the president mm-hmm. of this company, especially in an industry that you're in where there's not a lot of minority yep. business owners, how have you then flipped that script and you become the mentor for mm-hmm. other people that are younger professionals? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, one thing I think that was great with, with Ron is he always made time for others, you know, whether mm-hmm. it was a guy that was just starting off or, or somebody that was, you know, they might have been 10 years in the business but were stagnant. And, and I've, I've kind of found now in that same kind of role where people are, you know, are asking for some, you know, some of that same type of mentoring. So I think it's really being open, receptive and not just being like, I don't have time for you. I've yeah. got to run a business type mentality. So mm-hmm. I think it's important for us always to give back and always try to help, um, you know, where we can. I mean, that's one thing you can't, you, you, you know, you can't mentor someone's performance. The, mm. People still got to per- get out there and perform. But you can give those other intangibles that are that are important to, yeah. you know, to get there. So, you know, I keep myself open and accessible. Or somebody says, "Hey, you know, can I have your business card? And can we, you know, meet for lunch? Or can you know, we just talk on the phone? Or let me tell you what I'm doing." And I've, I've you know, already kind of feel like I said I saw I saw Ron do it, and and I'm I'm making sure and doing the same thing and reciprocating. Yep. And I think that's that's important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um. It's funny. I'm, I have to check every once in a while if Gary has a grinding question. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah you are giving each other the eyes. You're well, like you said, you feed off each other. Well. The other thing, I would just steamroll the whole thing, and right, I'd, right. I'd ask 50 questions, and Gary would be. No, he doesn't do so that. That's why I've got to check in. Gotcha. Um, but I want to talk about uh, yeah. as you were 
we talked about you making this the decision mm-hmm. to start this company. Yeah. What were some of the big hurdles that you faced early on? Whether you expected them or or they were surprises either way. Right, right. Well, it was a major paid cut, you know, that which was going to be expected, but you don't realize how that kind how of much, how right? much and how that affects getting yeah. started. So you really do have to plan as a family and um you know, my, my wife knows I'm 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 I'll big. I'll, she knows I'll jump in head first into something and ask questions later. So, my wife is such the balance and equalizer, and, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. I mean, my 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 wife basically was like, well, um, she, you know, when we knew we were making the transition, she's like, well, I'm, I'll pick up extra shifts at the hospital. She's a nurse practitioner at the children's hospital, mm-hmm. and um, it was just uh, wild, uh, just just adjusting to that. I mean, kind of almost taking any work you could take. Yeah, I mean, work you just like I mean, just really rough work. Where you're like, man, why am I doing this? <laughs> you know, to, just to make a couple bucks, but you you make the sacrifice you got to make to get to get out there, and then you try to build off of that. So it was really just, um, just trying to just adjust and adapt, and then push for like where you're really really trying to go, but at the same time doing what you got to do to kind of survive as a business. So it was definitely uh, that that process that first. I mean, really the first. I'd say three years, and of course, COVID hit in that, yep. which yeah. was a which was a different animal that you know everybody had to adjust to. So, right. adding that on top. So, yeah. <laughs> so as we keep going on on that cadence, mm-hmm. talk about the evolution of Harmon Construction because you said you just hit five years. Yep. So from I have this idea that I'm going to go do. Yep. Then you start executing on it. That's right. You figure out what you need to do from the financial standpoint personally. That's now right. Now we're five years in. So yep. talk about that evolution of how the, the business has continued to go. Yeah. You know, um, the I think the, the big part is, um, you know, as you continue to grow and you can then you, you build off of a few ugly things, but then you get a couple of good opportunities and you really execute those well and those really kind of then... You can kind of slowly build off of those. You're constant. I was constantly like trying to push where I wanted to be, whether it was the particular size job or really what I knew was kind of our, uh, you know, kind of our core business. And that took some time. I really, you know, for a while, like I said, we were kind of doing, I was really kind of doing anything. Um, but you realize real quick that's not, it's, yeah. it's not really the best fit for you, you right. know, and you're kind of trying to be whatever you can be. And some guys were like, hey, come, you know, help me build an expansion off my house and you know we were doing some of that and then then i'm over here doing some commercial work and doing some consulting work and i'm like well Mm. these two are good but this i'm just not really good at and it was just really getting the discipline and that really took some time for me to just Mm. say let me stay disciplined to what we do well and what we don't do well let's get the heck away from it so i really had to tell myself that but at the same time there were these dollars especially when when kind of uh, the COVID hit, you know, everybody was doing something to their house or, you know, yeah. and there was tons of opportunity and it was like, man, it was easy to want to go grab onto that. But staying disciplined really, I think, was um, really what was helpful. Yeah. You know, um, you also have there's a lot of things on your website talk about your management team and the people around you and your employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit to that process internally? How do you find that these are the right people? Mm-hmm. What are the things you're looking for? I think that's really interesting, of yeah. especially within your company. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it it has been it is. I'll go back. It's it's really been divine appointments and and uh, God really blessing opportunities. Um, you know, my my business partner uh, Lee Ortiz. We actually met at a birthday party. 
of all places. One of, we both had mutual friend, and we were at a birthday party, and he said, hey, you know, you guys should, you know, hook up and do some business together. And he already had his own business, and he was doing well for himself, and I, I threw a couple of jobs for him to help me out with, and and then as we got to talk and got to know each other better, um, it was like... Um, um, it was like, hey, let's let's we should we should combine forces and do this together, and it was really at the right time. Um, you know, I I really needed somebody that was I'll call a pit bull, mm. especially in construction. You know, I really yeah. was coming like from traditional commercial, where people follow the contract and their people are you know kind of follow the process and play kind of play nice, you know that sort of thing. Yeah. But when you're out there first initially slugging it out, I mean, construction is dirty. Mm-hmm. It is dirty, nasty. People will cut, you know, cut your legs from under you at any moment. And honestly, I was naive. Mm, I was yep. definitely naive on on that side. And I, um, I'm so thankful that you know Lee. He'd been in the <laughs> he'd been in the game, and he really was like, "Nah, you got to change some things because these guys are gonna." They are going to steamroll you, and, and he was 100% correct. So I think it's trying to find that balance in there. But he, he was an example of, of how getting those right pieces put together. Um, some of our other leadership team were, again, were great relationships. Most of our team is older than even me, which putting our, putting some mm-hmm. great senior guys, and a lot of them I had to either work with before or knew. I mean, one, um, one, one gentleman, that was, um, he's on our, our team. He was when we were when I was building on the Duke Energy Tower. He was building uh, for the at the Catalyst across the street. So and we used to always you know talk talk junk about you know who's building faster and doing that sort of thing. But I mean, to take a guy. I mean, he was even um, you know he was great. I mean, he he'd been in the business already thirty years. So it was kind of bringing that senior team. Mm. So that's what kind of helped was just you know finding great guys that were really had more really expertise and knowledge than me and. You know you're good at this and you're good at that and you really fill this void where I'm weak at and then I'm I'm good over in these areas and let you know those pieces started coming together and then that's really when we I think in year four is really when that now all of a sudden a lot of fruit that we had I mean a lot of seeds we had planted finally started to really bear fruit and that's really when that success started to happen so it's kind of was building that team planting a lot of seeds and hoping a couple of those and then they finally started to hit and that's what's really been that foundation that's helped us to propel and and really now really hit this real good growth trajectory so what are the things that you look for i mean i love that that you've got younger and older guys Mm -hmm. and around you and complementary skill sets Mm -hmm. you know the fact that you might be a little bit more soft touch Mm -hmm. you know yep and you need somebody to counterbalance that yep. that can put a little teeth into mm-hmm. and still have some integrity, but That's you right. still got to have That's right. some, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and not everybody's wired for that. That's right. Talk to us about, there are two questions that mm-hmm. I've got on this thing, because I know that a lot of people wonder about this. Mm-hmm. The first thing is, how do you go to identify the the right people, not just from complementary skill sets but like because you can find a lot of that Mm -hmm. but then you might have somebody that's a 'er ne'er-do-well or that Mm -hmm. you can't trust or whatever so how do you identify that and screen for it and then Mm -hmm. the second thing is how have you guys been dealing with the talent Mm -hmm. shortage that's Mm -hmm. out there 
Yeah. I, you know, especially in your industry. So I'd like to hear those mm-hmm. two questions answered. Yeah. I mean, I can, you know, I, I can use a great example. Um, uh, Shamila Roberts is somebody who um, just recently hired um, earlier this year, actually, and her resume from first blush didn't fit at all hmm. construction outside of a little bit of experience she had had. Um, and I really, I, I really, I don't put a lot of stock in her resume. I really don't because I have hired guys and gals that have looked great on the resume and you know what they couldn't estimate the square footage of the wall in front of us you know and it's like man I thought you had 20 years experience and that sort of thing (laughs) so I don't I've just learned real quick to not put a lot of stock but people that are really take initiative go-getters and and she was one where I was like man she's just like relentless and it was like, wow, she really wants to, you know, come work here. And she, you know, was a referral from an architect that we mutually knew. And, um, you know, even a lot of our employees kind of doubted, like, why wow, she doesn't fit. She, you know, she doesn't have the resume or the background. But you know what? She's like came in has been instant, like just such a great fit to the team. And um, it's been, you know, it's been amazing at that. So I've really found that those are the kind of people that really, you know, really do, um, I feel like, fit well where they can kind of mold to your culture yeah, and mold to your, to where you're trying to go, what your processes are, and gonna they're going to be more willing. There's a lot less ego, yeah. you know, although you find in our business there's a lot of still ego, and especially in construction, so, but but just more want to say, hey, I'm, I'm here and I'm willing to learn and grow, and that's been, um, that's been really great. Um, and then to answer your part two. So oh, wait, yeah, before yeah, you yeah, go yeah, into part yeah, two, yeah. I'm curious about that example in particular. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she yeah. doesn't have the resume. Yeah. Oh man, what are we doing hiring her? You know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But she has batteries installed. I call it that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, did they come with batteries yeah, or not? That's right. Do I got to go buy the batteries? That's right. If they came with batteries, that's that's good sign. But mm-hmm. you can't always have that in you know brain surgery or That's in right. certain kind of engineering or those kind of things so mm-hmm. what kind of roles yeah i mean i think those are good things to be looking for but right. where you've got that kind of a role what what's she doing mm-hmm. yep so she is she's you know a, a, a junior level of, of course and that's where having that senior leadership around mm. then to help with that mentoring and that's what i've signed kind of our senior guys that are on that end to more i've they, I want you in the mentoring and the teaching and the training. And that's really where we're finding the difference, you know, on a, so that you don't have to be on the grind of, of being out there in the field, but I need you mentoring this next group. So that's really what our senior level, you know, guys are doing right now are really focused on the mentoring. So training as we hit year five, that's been like our big thing for this year is training, really teaching those because you're correct. They, they don't have like a construction management or engineering background where there's some things, and sometimes in your head it's easy to assume, especially as a leader, yeah. it's easy to assume that people have been exposed to stuff. You can't make any of those assumptions. You really have got to say, nope, I'm going to teach the basics in elementary. So we've been doing like literally like almost like weekly training, almost like to me in my head, I'm like, I'm literally like teaching construction management, but it's going to be specific to the jobs. So I'm almost like teaching you a degree, kind of like we were talking about earlier, Ben, where we were saying like, man, I wish they had an MBA program that would focus on your business. Like I might sign up for that. So this is that's literally the way I've been thinking with my team is like we we're we're teaching the the fundamentals of construction, the processes. But you all have I know you have the skills you've proven to me. You have the skills to learn it and grow it. 
but I'm going to not assume that you're going to have that part. So I'm going to make sure that you get those fundamentals while also you're executing the work. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you, Gary, could you reiterate your second question? Yeah, the second question mm-hmm. is how have well, you been able to find... I think we're too far removed for Ty to remember exactly <laughs> yeah, what that's all right. said. So. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah. I should, that's not fair for me to go, hey, I got two questions Here's and one of them really yeah, long. No, that's a, <laughs> a part two and a part three. Yeah, correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not fair. Yeah. Uh, the second question was, all right, we are in a tough hiring mm-hmm. situation where we've got unemployment at pretty low levels. Yep. There's still a very, you know, we're blessed to still have a demand mm-hmm. in Charlotte, North Carolina. Not every part of the country is in that position. So how have you been able to find, to recruit and mm-hmm. retain good good workers? Yep, yep. Well, first is you've got to definitely pay well. So that's, that's, that's key. I think it's mm-hmm. been something that being intentional about, you know, you, you got to have the benefits. And as a smaller firm, it's something you, you make a tremendous sacrifice offering the full benefits and the 401k and you know folks expect that whether they work for you know you, you're a big firm or not and you know we we uh, we didn't have that the first um first three years yeah we, yeah we didn't we didn't have that so and there were a couple guys that stuck with us even when we didn't have that now we figured out some alternatives to that which were like we would pay if they were on the Obamacare or if they were on their wife's insurance, we would, you know, we would supplement that. So I think you have to kind of think outside the box, especially when you're a smaller firm, but you've got to kind of figure out how to be competitive in that. So I think we were willing to pay some more, some better wages than maybe what some firms were willing to pay because our, our focus was, I really want good people. Yeah. So I don't want it to be about like, you know, these guys are just, of course, some people chase money and that's probably not going to be a good fit for our firm, but making sure you get a good competitive wage so you don't feel like, man, I'm really probably I'm holding off short. So, yeah. you know, that's that's been, been one process. We, we tried like the headhunter, you know, uh, going through the headhunter experience. And um, and for those of you that do, you know, it's probably hit or miss, you know, on oh, that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and we actually uh, do have uh, one member of our team that, that we, we did hire through that. And it's, he's been, been great and it worked out well. So, you know, it's, I think you try a lot of different things when in this market and you see what, yeah. what works and what doesn't. And some things do. I think you have to cast a wider net. It's harder to find folks in town unless you're kind of picking from, you know, another company. I don't think there's a lot of people in the street. So we've had, you know, recruited folks from, you know, they from Charleston or from out of Florida and, you have to kind of cast a wider net and um, out of Durham as well. So it's like it's kind of that type of process. And you got to be flexible now, too, um, with folks that want to work from home and all that. So that's in our business. That's tough, especially yeah. in construction. You can't do work from your house. But, you know, yeah. how do you find that balance? I mean, one of our employees ended up being um, my business partner. His um, wife is um, wife. Nady, she was a school teacher, got burned out on it. She'd been in it for I think she'd been roughly 20 years and um, she wanted to change. Um, so, I mean, she's came on and she's uh, one of our project coordinators. And I mean, she has been absolutely amazing um, part of our team. And part of that was just having that flexibility where she could kind of work from home and help with the yeah. kids stuff and all that. But I mean, been a great asset. So you just, you never know, <laughs> you know, like I said, you got to kind of in a market where it's what, three and a half percent, probably I think unemployment right now, you're just going to have to be willing to, you know, look, <laughs> lift every rock you can lift, you know? Right. Yep. For sure. You talked a lot for the last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. We, we drilled you on people, mm-hmm. right? Inside the company, the evolution of adding these people. What are you looking for? Yeah. I want to focus that category or that topic on you now. Yeah. How has that 
changed what you're doing in the day-to-day business, right? When you're the founder mm-hmm. at the beginning, you're yeah. everything. Yeah. And you've talked for a while about building that right team around you. So how has that changed what you do on a day-to-day? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's finally allowed um, for me to really focus on um, really building the backlog. And in construction, backlog is, you know, is king for us. Um, you know, at one point, like you said, I was doing everything and, and it, it was so bad early on. I actually caught shingles. Really? I had wow. shingles so bad. I was so stressed and I was like eating bad and I was just like, I'm like, I'm new business. I'm going to grind. So I was literally like going to bed at midnight and wake up at three and just like the overly like, oh wow, you know, just I've, I'm going to be make it and be successful. But I had, it was like, a, like a kick in the butt and like no you're gonna stop for a minute now because you're gonna you know have a heart attack at 40 yep and um literally like it i caught shingles so bad that it one of my eyes was swollen shut i couldn't even drive like my wife had to drive me and i was i was in bed for a full week and that was um i mean that just let me know like you can like your body will tell you like all right enough is enough so that was that was a crazy but you know um Having additional staff on and really building a good team that you can trust that can execute the work really finally allows my focus and where I'm really wanting to grow is continue to build the business development, which, you know, you got to feed the feed the beast, you know, you got to you got to feed the business opportunities. And then the numbers, the numbers are so critical, the estimates. And that's where I really hone my time on is in the estimating side, because, you know, as, as the saying goes in our industry, you can have a good estimate and average guys in the field and the job goes well mm-hmm. but you you have a bad estimate even the best of guys in the field can't solve that right so that you know living by that so i really like watch that with the fine tooth comb I'm, i kind of really kind of lead our pre-con side to really you know do that because it's design build our clients are mostly looking for us and our expertise and they're, you know, you got to understand site, you got to understand code, you got to understand the building structures and different styles, and you've got to know a lot of stuff. So that's where I really feel like it's like you're kind of doing business development and you're doing sales and you're doing estimate all together. So it's like a very, you know, you got to be able to read people, read the room to, sort of thing. So you're constantly having that ebb and, ebb and flow through that pre construction process. So I'm glad I'm able now to spend more time in that and it's less like managing the guys and gals in the field and managing kind of the execution. So my focus has been, I helped you all put together the processes to execute in the field. By example, now I can step back from that, watch you all now execute that by example, you know, that example. Yeah. I'm staying close, but I'm letting you guys kind of lead it. And now I can focus on that area. The financial side is an area that I'm really spending more time on you know because the bond companies they want you know they they know more about you than your wife does so they're yeah yeah they are all in your financials as we know and they um you you have to stay on that now before it might have been oh, i was important you know a couple times a year where are we at now it's like no i need to know where you're at every month and then it's like you're almost have a report card every quarter as i call it you kind of have a report card on like where you are you know making money how much what's going on what are you projecting you know, you're dealing with the, you know, hey, two or three projects just moved out. We had planned to start. So it's now adjusting to that. And then from a business development side, you're saying, okay, do I need to get a filler in here? Am I willing to take something on that I was going to pass on? Because I've got to now 
I've had two jobs that just shifted, and, yep. and now the owners are like, oh, we're not closed until fourth quarter, and we're in second yeah. quarter, and originally we were supposed to start second quarter. You know, so that's that's that. You know, everybody deals with that in business. How big's the the staff that you've got now? Five years in, fourteen employees now, and we have another fourteen carpenters. Wow! So we have in-house carpenter staff. So we call it a craft force. So that helps us self-perform work. So we're less reliant on subcontractors to execute work, and that really comes in handy with our rehab. We do a lot of apartment rehabs. It really comes in handy with with that side of the business because you know you don't. You run into an unknown every time you open up a wall or every time you go in the sure. crawl space and yeah. you don't have time to say, oh, can you guys come back out? I've got this new problem. If you don't have your in-house force, you're just not going to be effective. So you've got 14 full-time people and 14 that are in your... Yep. And and how's that structured, The your your other 14 carpenters? Mm-hmm. How's that stru- Are they 1099s or... We actually we actually had to set up a, like a small separate... Um, business for them oh cool yep so we we manage them through that and um what it is is you we've got like kind of four kind of we have a foreman and then we have four lead carpenters and then they have helpers so each team is like a team of like three Mm. three to four very cool Mm -hmm. well that's quite a journey to go from you're working on the duke tower yep (laughs) Yep. <laughs> and you're one of a whole bunch of people. That's right. That's right. Working for Ron and mm-hmm. great people like that. That's right. To, okay, honey, um, can you take some extra shifts at the hospital? That's right. <laughs> what a great woman, you know. No, to, she you is. know, because not everybody will be willing to do that. But then you you go through taking whatever, mm-hmm. focusing on what do you love to do, what are you really built for doing. Mm-hmm. That's that's another like stage gate that not everybody passes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then moving to all right, I've got to surround myself with people that have complementary skills, similar heartbeats. That's right. But I need to, you know, you could be really good with a civil engineering background. There's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that I'm sure you could just go into the deep that's the right. weeds mm-hmm. on. That's right. But you have to say no. Mm-hmm. I may be even better than somebody that I've got hired there, yes, but sir. this is my best and highest usage. Mm-hmm. Like, how hard was that transition going from all the roads leading to Ty mm-hmm. to? And now I, I realize it was over five years. It wasn't just like a yep. you know that. That's right. But you know, talk us to us a little bit about that because I think a lot of people listening to this, if they've if they're if they've started their own company mm-hmm. or they can remember back what that was like mm-hmm. where you're going to get burned out because it's not scalable all roads leading to you plus it it, it diminishes right. the value of your company that's right if somebody's looking if you ever want to punch out of it mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to see a huge drop in value because too many roads leading to the owner that's right so just any any lessons learned or things that were so hard or maybe it was really easy for you to do that i don't know i'd mm-hmm. be curious on your perspective yeah um you know I, I think it's staying committed to what your your vision is is mm-hmm. i think is what i is what really comes to my mind um you know i kind of look at especially in construction you see i kind of see two style of businesses and you probably see the most you see i call a lifestyle business yeah. You know, and that's where folks, you know, it may have a guy and a couple helpers or whatever, and he goes and builds decks or whatever he whatever he does. 
and then you have the others that really do want to build a business and, and, and grow some type yeah. of business, whatever scale their, their goal is. And that was from the beginning. I knew I did not want to, to have a lifestyle business. I really did want to build a business that, that was going to be, you know, employees and grow to scale. And, and hopefully one day you could sell it, um, you know, or whatever that future holds. But that's um, that that was my goal. So um, just stayed focused on that when, you know, there's always lots of distractions on things you can do. And or you can become, you know, hey, there's a lot of opportunity. You could become this subcontractor and go work for a lot of these big firms. It's easy to do that. Um but staying disciplined and know I want to be a general contractor, I want to build a reputation, I want to grow a firm, have an office, like you start to see those things get into place and you just stay disciplined to achieving that when there's, like I said, lots of distractions that can send you another direction that are all enticing. So, so take mm-hmm. us a peek behind the curtain of yeah. what that decision-making process looks like. You get this opportunity that comes up, how how do you filter that through to say yes this is the right decision or no this takes us away from what we want to be best at mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's it's kind of going back to um what what is like what is your core market um and i know that's easier like oh that's kind of cliche or whatever you want to call that but um like i said when i first started i was not disciplined to what those core markets were and yeah. some of it was just because you just you don't know what you don't know, as everybody says, and you've got to, you know, get kicked around and, and beat up and, and realize, like, that's not for me. You know, I, I, people, even now, they're like, man, you should go in a custom home building. You know, you'd, you'd, you'd be great at that. And you know what? We, we probably could be good at that. But to me, to be good at custom home building, you need to be in it. You need yeah. to be in it 100%. Yeah. You don't dip, dip your toe in it. You've got to go in it head first and go all the way to be good at it, to build the reputation to to really market it that way and i i just don't i don't want to do that so those are the kind of example of where it's easy to kind of get pulled like man we could be a you know we see i see lapses in the market all the time in areas where there could be opportunities and say no let's stay disciplined to those core areas continue to grow and and build in those we're going to continue to build our knowledge our skill set who are the clients in those business? Yeah. So you know, as you can get pulled in a thousand <clears throat> directions, but it's like, let's if we're selling expertise, we've got to continue to build that expertise. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I mean, this is really good because losing focus when you're trying to be all things to all people. First of all, people, your market doesn't know who you are. Mm-hmm. They're confused because yep. you're confused. Yep. But when you have clarity, it makes easy for it makes it easy for people to understand what's the hook. All right, mm-hmm. oh, I need to call Ty for this. Yep. I ain't calling Ty for that. Yeah, correct. And that that helps your people too. Mm-hmm. You know where you you kind of hold the line. Yep. yep. Yeah, you got to pay attention to market nuances, mm-hmm. but hold the line. That's right. In what what really makes you come alive? Mm-hmm. What is your purpose? Yep. You know, like. I think that's really powerful um, and when people where I've seen some massive train wrecks is because they lost focus and they started chasing money mm-hmm. they started chasing opportunity yeah. started believing press oh yeah well I'd be good at that well mm-hmm. but you don't have any experience in that and again yeah. you know you gave an example of a somebody that you hired that didn't have experience necessarily mm-hmm. but 
they came with batteries mm -hmm. but that's not the same thing as you know building a reputation out there yeah so mm -hmm. yeah, especially chasing short-term money yeah right? yeah, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. like I have some extra land and I've thought about building a house on it and selling it. Yep. Well, if I came to you and you were like, yeah, I'll do that and that's a one-off project, yep. you have to learn all the things that need to be done in that category. Mm -hmm. Then you need to try and do it and that's detracting from all the other things that you really are already great at that's and right. should be focusing on that's right. to make a little extra money one time. That's correct. It's like So yeah. that, that's a pretty good North Star of, mm -hmm. hey, here's the things we're going to be great at That's right. and everything else go somewhere else. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. No doubt. All right, I got to go back to another question mm -hmm. though, and I know we're kind of running out of time, but so you were talking about your partner mm -hmm. that you met at the birthday party. Yep. <laughs> yep. Lee. Yep, that's right. So, Mr. Hialeah from Cuba, he's from uh well, he's um he's a Cuban. From okay, Miami. cool. Yep. <laughs> uh Cuban food in Miami is phenomenal. <laughs> by the way, I'll just say that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but Having a partnership, that's a whole new level, man. You know, uh, you know, it's. I say it's like getting married. Only, only you don't have children, mm -hmm. and you don't have love necessarily, and you haven't made a commitment before God and friends yep. and family. Yep. <laughs> so exactly. it's tougher. That's right. But it's you know, it can be great mm -hmm. or it can be hell on earth, and so that's right. How have you navigated those? nuances because it all sounds great on the front end when you're you know still eating birthday cake that's right <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly um you know we um it's it's funny because him and i will will laugh a lot first we we talk probably 30 times a day yeah just first person I talked to in the morning, like when the day's getting going, and typically we'd finish off talking. So we, our communication is great. Big level of trust. Um, I always am, you know, even though he doesn't necessarily care, I always share with him like, hey, this is where the numbers are. This is what the business is doing. So whenever we have like our, you know, quarterly financials or when, um, you know, when you all finish up our annual review, <laughs> like here it is, this is where we are. We're always yeah. talking through that. And that is that has been one of the the big key areas, and that's where we see because we we see a lot, you know, sub, especially subcontractors, you know, guys. Hey, this is my partner. But then it's amazing how a week later, one of the guys is like, "Hey, I'll do a little side job for you guys." Right. Or he's like literally undercutting his own partner. Right. And I mean, you see it all the time. So, you know, and and you don't, you know, you, you know, it's like anything else. It's just even like a marriage. You, it's just a risk that you take. It is. And there's no, you know, there's no perfect formula for it. And it, it could have went that way and things could have went really bad. But it, you know, it just, you know, it it, it didn't. It, it's, it's gone great, honestly. We yeah. really had each other's back. And, I mean, literally had each other's back when we were going to a job site and some guys were ready to fight. I mean, literally, like, having to be ready to get in a physical altercation mm -hmm. wow. out there on the job site. I mean, things can get crazy out there in the construction industry. It is, like I said, a, a tough business. So you've got to be ready to have each other's back on that level. And that was something that he always talked a lot about and just be ready for it. So when you've got love like a like a brother, yeah, yeah. that that makes that makes a huge difference. So um, we've just, you know, really honestly, I really believe it was divine. And, you know, yeah. it was divine. It was mm -hmm. it was a blessing from God. He knew I needed that. He knew I wasn't going to be successful and, and, and get where we we're gonna to get to without having somebody that had my back and saw a side that I just didn't know. So Yeah. 
I still know. believe in it. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife has has been burned. The you know she's suffered the most mm-hmm. because of people that have really you know not been honorable mm-hmm. that were partners. Yep. But I still believe that three mm-hmm. strands are stronger than yep. one. No doubt about for it. For sure, yep. two are better than one, and three are really mm-hmm. tight. Um, and it's just the right one. And I think what you said, communication multiple times and trust and integrity, those mm-hmm. you got it or you don't. That's and it. you have to keep working on all of those. If mm-hmm. you start taking your foot off the gas then, yep. and yep. coasting and thinking, uh, no, I've got mm-hmm. it all or I'm above reproach on yeah. it. Yeah. Like I could never fall. Oh, watch out. Mm-hmm. Watch out. Yeah. Yeah. So, no doubt. yeah, this is really good. Mm-hmm. Man, Ty... Man, I've learned. <laughs> I learned way more than I thought I was going to do on this. You one. learned things before we even turned the the microphone on. <laughs> so, Ty, any yeah. any final thoughts, advice, lessons, anything like that that you want to share with the listeners before we sign off? You know, I'll I'll, uh, I'll finish off with. Um, that just as much in business or in or personal you know find an opportunity to give back to somebody mm. um be an example um one thing that always frustrates me out here is uh people love to talk about things they don't like but never want to be a part of the solution mm-hmm. and um i'm always saying no i'd rather help be part of that solution what if you see a problem whether it's in the schools or that sort of thing i mean you can't solve all the ills of the world but you know you can help you can help with one person and i i'm i'm a testimony of that from people helping my life and then i've been able to then give back and and help one individual and that was a blessing to their life and i know they've gone on a greater thing so i always believe that we should all figure out a way to help out even if it's just, I mean, it doesn't take a lot of time. One hour, mm-hmm. one hour a month with a young man, young lady, can make a huge impact in their life, especially if they, they're missing stuff. I mean, I'll, let me give you a quick example with it. Um, I remember in high school, we had to do a project where um, they asked us to you know, interview somebody that was in the profession we wanted to go into. Hmm. Well, I happened to um, get a referral for a gentleman who was an engineer and I met um, him, and um, he actually went to North Carolina A&T, where I ultimately went to school. Hmm. And we met and just had dinner one night. From meeting him that night, and he met his wife at campus, I was like, after that, I was like, well, I'm going to North Carolina A&T, and I'm going to meet my <laughs> wife at North Carolina A&T. I mean, it was just something simple as that. But just the, the gentleman taking that time with me impacted my life forever. I'd, I'd love to be able to run into him and just to give him a hug and tell him how much he, you know, just one, you know, an hour and a meal. So wow. we just never know. Just something simple as that could change a kid's life that's a struggle. So don't complain. Be a part of the solution. Love it. Great way to end. Yeah. Uh, let the listeners know where can they find you or the company, the company website, whatever you awesome. want to give out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, please find us uh, Harmon, C-O-N-S-T, S-V-C.com. That's our website. Or Instagram or Facebook, Harmon. And that's H-A-R-M-O-N-C-O-N-S-T-S-V-C. Thank you very much. God bless you. Thank you.